0: Hello and welcome to the One Football podcast. We've got reaction to the Premier League action, a ridiculous final day in Argentina, and I'll regale you tales of my One Football trip to Florence, uh, plus much more. As joining me today is my co host with the most, Dan Burke.
1: Well, that's a very nice intro. Thank you, Matt. That Hello.
0: Hello. <laughs> and Joel Sanderson. Do I not get a nice intro? No. No, it's yeah, well,
2: afforded.
0: No. you know you're you a last minute draft i didn't have time to write something so lovely, right? <laughs> that's nice of you Matt. okay good stars <laughs> but thank you thank you so much for joining i thought i'd start with a question that's basically something a little bit different to try and make sure that everyone knows who we are so my question is you're a football player you're on your way to the match which song pumps you up the most or which album or band <laughs> come on, Dan. You start with that. That is a good
1: question. Me and my mates used to drive to Five Aside years ago and listen to uh, "Right Here, Right Now" by Fatboy Slim. That always used to what used to get that? the juices flowing. Didn't,
0: didn't City come out to that?
1: They did. Used to come out to that at Main Road, yeah, back in the day, yeah. So that might have had something that's to do with it. But, Jimmy yeah, it Grimble was, uh, all over it, that
2: hasn't it <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs>
0: that's a great tune. I, I would get on board with that. I'd be I'd be suitably pumped. Uh, what mm. about you, Joel?
2: Yeah, Taylor Swift Twenty <laughs> Two. That'll do the trick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should have <laughs> known when I started with like some sort of music question that that was going to come. Up.
1: What, would what would your answer be, Matt?
0: I was thinking about this earlier. It would probably have to be yeah, something like Fat Boy Slim. Not too many words. I don't want to be singing along. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Joel, sort of. You know, forget the words and your confidence knocked a bit. Um, <laughs> it just needs to be something pumping, something loud. Um, I couldn't really think of anything to be honest. It was probably a bit too generic. It was too too generic. I a have the tiger. I even <laughs> yeah, man. no, because that's something I definitely sing along to. Not the tiger. I was thinking, Fat Boy seems a good answer. What about maybe some like something that. You know what? I can't even think. I've completely <laughs> stumped myself on my own question. I've got too many answers in my head. You know what? We'll <laughs> leave that until next time. Yeah. I ask the questions here, Dan, not you. Maybe, pe- maybe
1: people, people could write in with uh, with their answers, some good suggestions. Yeah, let well, so us know can, on, uh, on Twitter. Next week.
0: You can also write to us uh, on the email. The, the address is podcast at com. All of our Twitters as well. You can at onefootball too. Uh, at Matt underscore Froelich. At football, Dan. At Joel S. Murray. Have I nailed it? You've nailed it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> right, after that shocking start to the podcast for me not remembering what my favourite song is, uh, we'll move on to some Premier League action as Chelsea drew one all with Manchester United. Um, Dan, you said you watched this one. Uh, Joel, I believe as well, you watched it together. Mm. Uh, did this one go as planned for either side? We'll start with Chelsea. Did you? What do you think they expected to see more of during the game?
1: I thought it was a really poor game, this actually. I thought it was too teams who are sort of grasping for a bit of identity at the moment and aren't really sort of firing on all cylinders. Um, I think you look at that kind of, I think United have have got a more settled team than Chelsea at the moment, which is perhaps to be expected given that Ten Hag took over in the summer and Potter took over sort of, uh, you know, midway through the season. But um, yeah, I just didn't see an awful lot from either team here. Not a lot of great chances created, not a lot of nice football being played. You know, neither team. I think we've known for a while they're not going to be in the title race, but uh, I wouldn't fancy either team to necessarily finish in top four the way they're playing at the moment. I think it could be a it could be a really interesting race for the top four. That and I don't know if if those two would definitely be in it. You know, you see the the form that like Newcastle are in now that, that I'd be worried about them if I was a Chelsea or United fan actually.
0: And Joel, as for United, do you think they were lucky to escape with a point? I saw um, after Casemiro equalised and the final whistle went, I saw him do the like. Oh, no, I'm gutted. I'm absolutely (laughs) gutted. I'm like, you're not gutted, mate. You've just scored an equaliser in the last minute. Stop acting like all three points. A second earlier, they were going crazy from the the away. Stop acting like all three (laughs) points was the ultimate goal. Or was it? Would they still be disappointed with just the
2: points? I think overall, they can be happy with with the points. Uh, I think in in terms of the game, the way the game went itself. I mean, like Dan said, it it wasn't a a cracking game. I don't think Iverside particularly did enough to win. Um... And it was one of if Chelsea had won that by a penalty, then the United could feel a bit aggrieved. Um it was a nil-nil game and it ended up being one one. That's <laughs> the way it goes, I guess. But I think from United's point of view, they've now come away from playing, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, uh, and Chelsea and you know, they've already lost one of those games and they've done quite well there. And, obviously, you know, obviously beat Spurs as well. Um So I think if you, if you go to Stamford Bridge, you go to these away, you know, you go to Stamford Bridge and get a draw, you can be happy with that. And then you've always got the return fixture come on later in the season when they come to Old Trafford and be confident that you've ticked that off. And so I think, you know, overall, you know, Ten Hag has sort of got United playing. a I wouldn't say his way or the Ajax way yet. And maybe that's a long term goal, but he's managed to get them playing in a way that they're getting results at the moment. And, you know, overall we're saying they might not make top four. I would probably subscribe to that point of view as well, but, uh, you know, I, I, right now, right, right here, right now, Fatboy Sim would say they're a nice segue, isn't it? They're, they're picking up points. Oh, and, you know, I think they could be happy with that because they're building a bit of momentum, I would say, which is a bit concerning uh, for a team trying to get into the top four this season because they're picking up momentum without play, playing particularly well right now. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think they'll come way happier from the two sides on
0: Saturday for sure. Mm. Um, and Dan, what did you make of the penalty decision? Is it a little bit harsh on Scott McTominay? <laughs> was it? I, I, I saw McTominay on Match of the Day complaining
1: that it—he uh, thought it should have been a penalty. I thought, you know, pin WWE wrestling <laughs> sort of stuff. That wasn't it, yeah, yeah. I thought Brodjer was pretty good when he came on for Chelsea. Actually, I think if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be wanting to see more starts from him because Abamyang's not not doing much at the moment. I don't think Sterling has really settled down there. I don't think that attacking trio of Sterling, Mount, and Abamyang has sort of worked each other out properly yet. Whereas Brodjer. He came on, and I thought he looked pretty good, and uh, he's, uh, he's, he's a really exciting prospect. So, um, uh, but yeah, I thought it was definitely a penalty. I don't know, I don't get any complaints about that at all.
0: Joel, what do you think? Definitely a penalty,
2: yeah. It reminded me of like Martin Skittle when he was at Liverpool. Like, every time he had a corner in the box, <laughs> he would just manhandle everyone. And I don't know, he away with it. Martin Skittle would not exist in the Prem in VAR times. He got very lucky there wasn't a thing while he was at Liverpool, but yeah, <laughs> definitely a penalty, I- yeah.
0: I saw. Um, I think I saw a Twitter that this is always dangerous when you bring Mark Goldbridge into the conversation. Um, he was tweeting something like there are a few unwritten laws in football, and that's one of them. That that sort of stuff just always goes on in the box. And I'm like, yeah, but the point is, it shouldn't. Like, you can't just do that and be like, ref, come on. Everyone does it. That's a lot of water
1: It's one thing, a bit of like pushing and shoving, but he had his arms round his waist and dragged him down to the ground. Like, I don't see how you can not say that was a foul, really.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit odd. Anyway, his midfield partner, Casemiro, got him out of it just crossing the line ever so slightly. Mm. Um, Was it Martinez who got booked for excessively celebrating? Did he? I didn't know DK, that, yeah. I think that's what it was. I, that's just, if you're going to pick up a booking, pick it up for that because that's unbelievable. So 94th minute away at Stamford Bridge.
1: <laughs> Am I being a bit celebration police to say that celebration was a bit over the top to say you've just you salvaged the celebra- celebration yeah. police. It, they, they were celebrating like they'd won the game to me
2: and I thought, a mm, bit much. It's but, a bit rich well, coming from I mean, a, a City fan who doesn't know how to celebrate a league title win, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know how to celebrate league title wins, mate. Trust me. <laughs> I'll show you my bank statements if you don't believe me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Right, we'll move on from that. From that last minute nonsense to uh, to Sunday, where Southampton somehow stopped the mighty Arsenal. Um, they picked up a point, Arsenal, but they looked very, very tired. I thought, especially towards the end of the game, Jack is playing every game in the minute. Um, Saka started, despite being doubtful beforehand. Uh, Dan, is this what ultimately will hold Arsenal back in comparison to City in the title race? Just squad depth, basically.
1: I think so yeah I think they're obviously a good good side Arsenal I think you know the way things are going I would back them to to finish second pretty comfortably I think they are sort of the best of the rest uh, if you say that City are the best and obviously Arsenal are still top of the league so I know it sounds a bit ridiculous to say that but yeah I don't, I don't see them sort of being able to keep up with City over the course of the season for that very reason and yeah this was not a terrible performance from them really but it's a game you've got to be looking to win really I think if you are going to kind of compete with City all the way through it and to get go on the up. Jack took the goal well and he's having a really good season isn't mm. he like you know he, you wouldn't want to rotate him out of the team the way he's playing but um i think there's a there's a bit of concern growing among the arsenal fan base in sense about gabriel jesus at the moment i think we've we're seeing him revert to the mean a little bit after it, making a really good start to the season i read earlier that he scored the same amount of goals as darwin nunez in about half the amount of minutes that nunez has, has uh, that
0: and jesus he gets has played abuse online, i mean yeah, Mainly for he, me i mean
1: he costs a lot of yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, he cost a lot of money, and I think you know, big things were expected of Nunez. But he's actually done done pretty done pretty well overall, I think. And, uh, and Jesus was was being lauded as you know the savior of Arsenal at the, uh, the start of the season. And, uh, and you're just seeing it—you know—he's getting into good positions, getting good chances, but not taking them. And City fans grew very well accustomed to that version of Gabriel Jesus during his time at City. So I think uh, Arsenal fans are maybe getting not a bit of buyer's remorse about him because yeah. I think he's still doing—he's still performing well, but. You know, his, his problem throughout his time at City that he wasn't clinical enough and you've seen a, a bit of that now.
0: Uh, is that a little smirky, I told you so face from you there, Dan? <laughs> Not
1: at all, no.
0: <laughs> Not at all. Uh, we never really actually talk much about Southampton on the podcast. Uh, let's give them a little bit of a little bit of airtime with you, Joel. Um, there always seems to be three teams worse than them. And then when they're pressured into selling their best players, they can't really then progress. Uh, what hope do you see them... I mean, for this season, for in the next few years, apart from finishing between seventeenth and tenth, they're low-key a bit of a mental side, Southampton
2: aren't they? Because <laughs> uh, you know, over the last three seasons, or um, I would say under under they seem to have runs of losing six or seven in a row, which usually includes a nine-nil defeat. Um, but then they will go in at some stage of the season with five or six in a row as well, and then at the end of it, and uh, when it all comes out in the wash, they'll just finish fifteenth. Like every season, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, what is this? I, I, I don't think, I don't think they're a team or a club that's particularly ambitious. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, we're not, not long ago, you know, under Ronald Koeman and, and the likes, and, and Pochettino. You know, they were a team that had a, a very good side, very good one to eleven, and um, we'll, you know, they get onto Europe a couple of times. And but you know, the, the ambition was always, we'll sell our best player at the end of the season and, and reinvest that and they always reinvest it well. And and I think to an extent they, they've continued to do that because they've not gone down in that since then and they've lost a lot of good players and maybe they haven't... Ricky, Ricky Lambert? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was solid <laughs> for you. year. He did all right. But uh, no, no... I look at a team now, especially the last couple of seasons, and it has looked like a championship team. So fair play to them to stay, but how much is that down to themselves or down to, like you said before, three teams being worse? Than them? I don't really get what the picture is, you know, what the end game is. I think there's a lot of uh, noise about Ralph Hassan who will leaving the club. Uh, I think he's he also it sounds like he wants to leave, and Southampton wanting to leave, and I'd be surprised if he's still there by the end of the season. But what they do next will be. Will be interesting because where do they go? Are they going to try and be ambitious or are you going to get sort of someone like Hassan Hootzel who is just going to keep them between? Yeah, 10th to 17th. Mm. I I do actually start of the season. I thought they made some really good signings. I think they've got four really good centre backs, and I don't really get maybe that's a, a sign of where they are as a club is why have they signed four really good centre backs? Like, is the plan to play them all? Uh, in uh, uh Salasu, Bella and uh Liango, they're all They've all been really solid centre-backs for other clubs. And uh, Romeo Lavio was a good signing. He, he did well before he got injured. And then the issue is going forward, they haven't got, they haven't replaced Danny Ings, I guess. That's the one thing they haven't, they haven't replaced his goals. So it would be interesting what they do next, the manager they bring in and that, where do they go from here. But un, under Hassan Husserl, I can't see them ever breaking that mould They'll just finishing mid-table and, and seeing where that ends up. they just mm. one of them who's got a big question mark about them, but they'll always be fine. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought he was a goner a few weeks ago, Harzenduil, actually, I, in the build-up to the... They played City two or three weeks ago, didn't they? And there were some rumours in the build-up to that that he was going to be sacked, and he was, he's still in charge for the City game. They weren't actually that bad against City, but I was at that game, and at the end, I, I saw him coming on the pitch, going over to the away end, and I thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to wave goodbye or whatever, as if this is like his last game. But, you know, he's still there, still there, still clocking along. I've not been that that impressed with him the whole time. He's been at Southampton really hard, really he came with like a a pretty good reputation, the Alpine clock people were calling it <laughs> at one point, weren't they? And it's never really delivered on that. But I think every time we mention Southampton on the podcast, I say they're the most mid-table team in the yeah. Premier League. And, and that is just, that is them, isn't it? Right, basically. So I suppose that's about par for them finishing but, between but, 17th and 10th. Yeah.
0: There's just, it seems to be the never ending project that never actually takes a step further. What's the goal? I think yeah, they, yeah, they yeah.
2: could be in trouble this season saying that comes to think of it because you look at who's down there now below them, you know, the likes of Wolves and Leicester, I think have got personally better players and a better squad than Southampton. And if they end up figuring themselves out and, you know, Rogers ends up getting them playing or leaves or you know, the next person comes in at Wolves and gets them playing, they, they could be in danger. And I, I don't think Villa are going to be down there for longer. And maybe, you know, Blaze and squad at Nottingham Forest will end up clicking and, and finding a way to play. So <laughs> I think this year they, they, they could have a situation where there aren't three Teams worse
0: than. Uh. I remember mentioning to Dan earlier. that I couldn't believe Brendan Rodgers is still there, but he is. They put together that astonishing win against Wolves. Yeah, uh, four four about, shots, <laughs> four goals. <yeah. laughs> oh, clinical. Uh, Talking <laughs> of a manager who's left, and our team is playing a lot better. It's Steven Gerrard and Aston Villa. Uh, the shackles are off. I've written here, and Villa are <laughs> on fire. Joel, does this reek of the players basically downing tools under Gerrard because they weren't buying whatever he was selling and now they're actually a pretty decent team? I, I imagine he would
2: watch that yesterday and he'd be absolutely fuming. Like, it was 2-0 in <laughs> the first 10 minutes as well, wasn't it? And we're 3 mm-hmm. nil by half-time. and Yeah, I mean... He bought well. Villa bought good players past eighteen months, and they had a good squad. And the fact that they weren't playing very well is a testament on on Gerard. I think it was a right decision for him to to have left. But it does it does reek of that. It does reek of well. Hang on. You put the performance that you did against Fulham on on Wednesday, sorry Thursday, where they were abject. They were they were terrible. And I, I never want to accuse players of not playing for the manager. But if there's going to be a situation like that, I think. That was the case um, at Fulham. And then, well, three days later, suddenly, yeah, they're doing the performance. I saw Leon yeah. Bailey do his post-match yesterday where he was saying everyone just felt like they, they could express themselves again and the weight was lifted. And that just really suggests that whatever Gerard was doing was just not working. They, they just didn't feel free under him and they, d- they didn't feel happy. And it, it is mad that suddenly one man goes and... And that suddenly everyone starts playing football again. They remember how to kick a ball again. It's not even they, they've got a new manager bounce. They've got someone who's not going to be there. And by the end of the World Cup, is it it's just a caretaker manager at the moment? And but suddenly the fans were lifted. The fans got behind him yesterday and they, they were brilliant, deserved to win. Uh, but I do wonder how much that as well played in part that. I wonder how much that, uh, the effect Thomas Frank's situation has got on Brentford. Because he's been linked heavily with with the job at Villa. Mm. He didn't rule it out. When he, when he's, well, he hasn't ruled it out. When he's been asked about it. Uh, I do wonder whether was a bit of Brentford's players aren't really sure what's happening at the moment. And Thomas Frank me- isn't really sure on his messages as well. And It did look a bit like that to me yesterday as well. So that'll be one to watch.
1: Would they still hire him after they have just beaten him 4-0? <laughs> not, it's not, not a great job interview, that,
0: is yeah. it, really? <laughs> just smashed your sonny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the replacement, Dan, Vincent Company, former Manchester City legend, and current Burnley manager has mm. been touted to take over after what seems like the shortest of careers at Burnley. Firstly, is it worth it after, you know, like we mentioned, not many, very many games at Turf Moor? And secondly, do you think you'd do a good job? I think
1: he probably would um, I think it's probably a bit too soon for him I mean he's come to Burnley from Anderlecht he did, he did alright at Anderlecht I think he sort of studied the ship but didn't do anything spectacular with them and he's made a good start at Burnley they were well, they're very near the top of the championship though. I think there's one point off the top um, He's looks like a good coach he tries to get his team playing some nice football I think he's taken a uh, a lot of guidance from Pep Guardiola, um, but I think it would be too soon for him. If, if I was him, I'd stay put at Burnley, at least see out the rest of the season there and see what see what he can do and uh, and keep learning because you don't want to make that jump too soon. We talked about this with Michael Beal last week, didn't he? Mm. And I, don't, I think Villa would be a bit of wise to take a punt on him at this point. I don't think there's enough kind of data on him yet, really, to, to say whether he's, a, whether he's that level of coach. I mean, they've been talked about Ruben Amorim from Sporting as well. That seems like a... A more logical step to me. In fact, we were talking earlier, weren't we, Matt? About it, there was this big thing made about uh, Aston Villa will have to pay eight million pounds to get Ruben Amorim, and that's like whenever a team has to pay money for a manager, people are up in arms about it. And yet, eight million is nothing, is it? If you were talking about a player, like you would get, you know, a reserve right back for eight million pounds, and yet people, uh, people balk at, kind of at that kind of money. That kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> Look who's balking.
0: <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sure. Isn't there a reserve right back for City about 50 million? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's the issue of the We're shopping map. in a very different That's market. The issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shopping in we're, a different market.
1: We're shopping at Waitrose and, uh, you know, Villa are shopping at Netto. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh boy, we throw some serious shade on Villa there. Uh yeah. I, and Neto. Think, yeah, and Neto as well. I think <laughs> the the Michael Beale situation is really interesting, not leaving uh QPR because it sets like quite a strong precedent for the rest of the championship in terms of managers like Company. Like if it, if if Beale's willing to stay with QPR and you know potentially backs himself to take them up and company does the same, you might get other managers thinking it might not be worth the risk right now, especially when I mean it probably happens in a lot of football in all different divisions, but Managers aren't given that long. I mean, how how long was Gerard at Villa for? Was it a year? Just under a about year, about ten months, yeah. for it, I think. Yeah, just yeah. So, wh- wh- and now what? What what's Gerard's next job? You know, he's going to have to sort of regress somewhat. I don't think another team mm. in the Premier League takes him. So the same thing with Company and Bill. I don't think there's any rush at all. Um, and we saw it. We saw Lampard maybe jumped a little bit too early at the Chelsea chance after Derby. Um, didn't quite work out. Uh, we've, we we never seen it with Gerard. So. It's going to be
1: someone desperate who offers Gerard a job next, isn't it? Which is yeah, exactly. a, bit, a
0: bit unfair on him, but um, that's just the sort I, of. Honestly, the if, if, they, if they want good football, though, I think Amarim's a great shout, and mm. I'll have to pay that lofty fee to get him out of there. <laughs> that lofty eight million plus whatever wages he wants on top. Uh, but talking of managers who could potentially leave, although they are still there, and we look at Leeds United. Um, and they look in bad shape, to be honest. Jesse Marsh is taking less points in his previous, I think it's seven games, than Bielsa did in the seven before he got sacked. Uh, Dan, how long do you give it before he gets his marshing order? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to get round to making the pun then that you thank wrote in the script. Yeah, thank I'm you. Glad, you, glad you did. <laughs> not, definitely not the first one to make that joke.
1: No, well, I, I think we we were using marshing on together quite liberally when he first joined, <laughs> weren't we? But that's not really a uh, not,
0: not really the case any more at the moment, by the, by the looks of this performance.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bit like Haslen I'm, I'm surprised that he uh, hasn't been sacked yet. Really, I think it might be only the case that perhaps they haven't really thought about properly who's going to replace him yet. That might be keeping him in a job because uh, they've been playing really poorly. Um, I think it was best exemplified in this game by the fact they go one 0 up with uh, with Rodrigo scoring the goal. And the form they're in, you know, you think just just sit on that for a while, just uh, you know just build into the game, uh, keep it tight at the back. Fulham score a really, really soft equaliser down the other end. Uh, I think Mitrovic getting the run on Luke Ayling at the front post from a corner. And then Leeds just kind of fell apart from that. And it's been quite difficult for Marsh because I, th- I think he inherited uh, Bielsa's team. And um, that was a team that was very much built for Bielsa's style of football just kept them up by the skin of his teeth. And I think if they had gone down last season, um, Marsh might have lost his job then, but obviously he got a bit of a stay of execution and, and just ha- hasn't built on it so far. You know, they've not got Patrick Bamford scoring goals. He's obviously had injury problems last season, but he's not looking very confident in front of the goal at the moment and made some, you know, pretty decent signings on paper, Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams and that kind of thing. Hasn't really clicked for Leeds yet. They're not defending well, um, just a bit all over the place really. And, uh, <laughs> Again, a bit like Hasenhutl, they've got Liverpool away in the next game. So whether, whether Marshall will still be in charge then will be interesting to see. And if uh, if not... Yeah, I, I be, was going to
0: say, I wonder, we spoke about a lot, Joel, especially about how the World Cup's going to affect the players. How do you think the World Cup's going to affect managerial appointments? Because I'm sure many clubs who don't necessarily have too many players away at the World Cup could see it as a chance of... Sack the manager right, just before, or just as the World Cup starts, and then give them three or four weeks on the training pitch to actually work with them. Because, like we said, you mentioned there Liverpool is the next game. And sorry, Leeds fans, for reeling off your fixtures, because it doesn't sound too good that four of the next five games are against Liverpool, Spurs, Man City, and Newcastle. Mm. <sighs> right. Teams, you know, fighting in or around the top four. And the only other ones are Bournemouth. Bit of shade on <laughs> Bournemouth there as well. Um That's a tough game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Bournemouth one's gonna be tough. Mm-hmm. So um it looks tough, but of course, between the Spurs game and the Manchester City game, there's what is it, six weeks, six and a bit weeks off. So do you think we might see a bit more movement from then? Let's say uh Hasenhutl, Marsh, Rogers, um, and the others, Joel. Do you think there could be some movement during that World Cup break?
2: I think there could might, yeah, because I think I think that's maybe why some clubs have been holding off on sacking their manager because they may as well wait for that break. And then, like you said, they're basically giving the new the new boss uh entire pre-season to get the team right and get the team set up. okay, some clubs or a lot of clubs will be missing players, but they won't be missing all of them. They'll be still be able to, you know, get you know a good chunk of their team ready and up to what they want to do and and also have a big rest. And we're now starting to see We've been questioning all year the effect the World Cup is going to have, the World Cup break is going to have on the Premier League and or on all football, and I think we're starting to we're going to start to see and feel that over the next couple of weeks because. It is like an entirely new season. I think there could be clubs that are out of form now. Uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully, my team is one of them who will look like a completely <laughs> new team come uh, come December, or come January, and and, and I, I think I think we're going to see some movements definitely. Um, but you know, by the, the last week of November or the third week of November, I I, did, I think Leicester been holding off on sacking Rodgers because of that. Um, and now they've now picked up a couple of wins on the bounce. They couldn't end up sticking with him in long term. That might be the wrong decision. I definitely think it's the case with Leeds, because you look at those fixtures, you don't want to give the new manager those fixtures in a bounce, because he won't win for the first four or five games. And OK, he's going to have, you know, what well, City and Newcastle come after the World Cup, so he's still got to to go through them. But I, I can see Leeds holding off for sure. Until the middle of November, I'm making that move then. It's fascinating to listen. It? It's fascinating to see the difference that's going to make. Wolves have wait said they're going to wait until the new year to to hire a new, a new manager. It uh, looks like they may live to regret that decision because they're going was 4-0 on Sunday um, by sticking with a caretaker coach. Although some rumors that the technical director, Scott Sellers, was. Um, managing the team from the side. He had a mini, there's a photo of him with a mini tactics board in a director's box and he was a, he had a microphone in, in and obviously this is all allegedly, but I wonder why any other person would take a mini tactics board in, into the, the director's box. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, It's all shit well, shit. Well,
1: he's already talked himself out of the job, I guess, because <laughs> he got beat 4-0. But, uh. <laughs> so uh,
2: it's uh, going to be an interesting one to see.
0: Interesting. Right. That is it for our Premier League section of the podcast. I thought before we move on to La Liga, actually, I thought I'd indulge you on in what I've been up to this weekend in, in Serie A because we heard last week from Dan's little visit to Union Berlin. Um, and this weekend, as part of our live streaming, like I mentioned last week whether everyone in the UK and Ireland can every Saturday night watch a game for absolutely free from Serie This weekend, it was Fiorentina against Inter Milan. I've got to tell you, boys, there was a last minute cancellation on the flight. <laughs> from Ryanair, and I took the train from Berlin to Florence. <laughs> you, you, you want to guess how many hours it took me to get there? Well, I already know the answer to this, yeah. so I'll let <laughs> <enjoy. laughs> Oh, you know, yeah. Thirteen for all of you listening. Thirteen, 13, hours. 13 hours. Uh hours. We, we passed some stations of footballing royalty, like Munich and uh, Bologna and Verona and, you know, the like. Uh, we finally ended up in Florence, and yeah, on Saturday... It's a beautiful place to visit. There, if you've ever been, and I witnessed one of the craziest foot matches I've ever seen. Four three <laughs> Inter Milan. Martinez is astonishingly good. I feel like you know when you watch someone on TV and you watch them in the flesh, there's a massive difference. Mm. Um, and he really just—it was unbelievable. Very much, uh, very much leading the line by himself. Um, scored a fantastic first goal, um, penalties, and then uh, a penalty. And then, yeah, in the in the last minute, Luka Jovic, the forgotten man, equalised for Fiorentina. And by this point, I was at the side of the pitch setting up <laughs> to film our post-match analysis. And at the other end, Henrik Mkhitaryan scores and makes it four-three to Inter. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to a, to a Serie A game. No, but worth it. What what's the
1: Artemio Franchi?
0: Is that how you say it? Fran- Ar- Frankie? Franchi, Frankie, Frankie, Franchi Yeah. I think. What's what's it like as a stadium? It's nice, but I think I I, I was. Sort of comparing it like when I went to the new camp a few years ago, right? The the noise at the new camp's brilliant. But because there's no roof, it kind of escapes uh, into the night. Mm. You know, so many stadiums, especially in England, like the the, the roofs are quite closed off in the middle that mm. there's still a gap, obviously. But the noise stays in the stadium, and the noise was so good at Fiorentina, but because it was all open air, it kind of disappears a little bit. Um but there was a moment after they scored the equalizer that I walked behind the goal. And I was just looking at the Ultras, and I was like, "This is <laughs> this noise is absolutely crazy." So it, it was a fantastic trip, and I'm, I'm sure we'll. we'll and definitely you, you spoke to a
1: few players while you were there as well, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I spoke to uh, I spoke to Eden Jacko before the game. Really, really good. He had very, very nice things to say about Lataro Martinez. Mm. Uh, because I thought Lukaku would be in the travelling party, but he wasn't. He returned to training last week, um, but just not enough time for him. Yeah, I spoke to Jacko and uh, uh, spoke to Mkhitaryan after that winner. He said, I'm very tired. I am not surprised, mate. I'm tired just watching it. You ran down the field and scored the winner in the 95th minute. So, uh, yeah, no, all in all, was very, very good. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more. I'm sure we'll all make it to some games where the personal will work over the next, over the next, over this season even. Mm. So I look to hearing more from you guys. But yeah, that was incredible. And if anyone out there has not watched the highlights, I implore you to watch them because it was an absolute <laughs> mad end to the game. Bad game, yeah. We, we were sat in the, in the, the the press box when I mean, you get those tiny screens where you can watch the replays mm. and uh Furetina's penalty i was thinking no nah, the goalie has got the ball it's never a pen and he's given it Even <laughs> i was a bit mad and i was like, I was it var yeah went thing. to var <laughs> looked to the tv and i was like if yeah. i can see what you're seeing on the tv he did not <laughs> think it was a pen and then later on in the uh the napoli roma game uh the exact same thing happened nice. on sunday night and it wasn't given Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tangi and Donbley yeah. went through, and uh, Ru Patricio got the ball and uh, knocked Donbley over. The referee gave a penalty, went to the screen, and decided to overturn it. <laughs> so the inconsistencies aren't just in England; they're absolutely <laughs> oh, <yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was absolutely lovely trip. And uh, yeah, just a quick reminder to everyone again: if you're in the UK and Ireland, we show a free game on the OneFootball app, absolutely free and live on on Saturday evenings, the quarter to eight kickoff. Uh, uh, right. Anyway, That's we'll right. we'll move on though to La Liga. Real Madrid say top with the 3-1 victory over Sevilla, but I didn't want to talk about Real, actually, Dan. I wanted to talk about Sevilla, because just two wins in 15 games in all competitions this season, mm. season sitting 15th, they fired Lopetegui and replaced him with Sampaoli. Uh Where did it all go so wrong, basically, for Sevilla?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a shame with Lopetegui, because he uh, obviously... Won the Europa League with them a couple of years ago, uh, did a pretty good job overall. And it's it's a bit of a shame that it kind of unraveled so quickly this season. Um, if you remember last season at one point, they were looking like being Real Madrid's closest challengers for the league. There was a bit of chat about them potentially winning the league. Uh, they drew 16 games in total last season, which was by far wow. the most in the division, I think. So that was what kind of let them down. And uh, they sold a few players this summer, Diego Carlos and, and Jules Koundé, most notably, um, kind of gutted their entire defence really and they've conceded 18 goals this season uh, they only conceded 30 the whole of last season which was the best record in the league so you can see how how much the defence has kind of disintegrated they're not scoring very many goals as well uh, I mean they never did score many but many goals under Lopetegui they got 53 last season they've got 11 goals so far this season and uh, they lost uh, Jesus Corona to a, a leg-breaking injury earlier earlier in the season which has um, sort of Killed a lot of creativity that they had. And, uh, you know, Monchi's the sporting director there and he gets plaudits for the for the job that he's done. But uh, the signings that they made in the summer haven't really uh, improved them very much. They got, didn't spend a lot of money. They got Alex Tellez on loan from Man United, Casper Dahlberg on loan. Uh, Isco came in on a free, Adnan Yanezai on a free, uh, they spent a bit of money on Tangi Nianzu but he's uh, not really uh, one for now. He's more, more of a player for the future. So it feels like it's a bit of a kind of transition period for them, which I think is fair enough really. But uh, 15th in the league at the moment isn't great. Uh, they've got Jorge Sampaoli back at the club who was who was there a few years ago had a fairly successful mm. uh, period there before. Didn't win anything um, and he's made a pretty average start, one win, one defeat and three draws uh, since taking over. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking great for them, but I think the season's a bit of a write-off really and they just, uh, you know, avoid relegation and try and uh, rebuild and, and go go better next season is the way, way it's looking for them.
0: Are you surprised at how poorly they are playing, especially in the Champions League? They're in Manchester City's group, right? They are, a- yeah. Along with Dortmund, yeah. Were you a bit kind of surprised, I guess? You won 4-0, was it? 4-1 earlier yeah. the season? I didn't and expect it, was- it to be that... Easy, almost.
1: No, I thought that would be a tough game when when the draw was made. I thought it looked like a bit of a a tough group for City uh, with Dortmund and Sevilla in there, but Sevilla were really poor when City played them. And uh, there was a bit of a sort of standoff between the players and the ultras at the end of the game that night as well, where the ultras were basically saying... Whatever the Spanish equivalent is of uh, you're not fit to wear the shirt, and uh, <laughs> the players had to sort of go over and like apologise to them and stuff, and it was all all getting a bit toxic there. So yeah, they're, they're really poor. Uh,
0: Didn't they also then lose the next Champions League home game to Dortmund four one?
1: I think I they like might, Dortmund or was it away? Yeah, I, I, yeah.
0: No, I think they might have drawn the away game one all. Ah, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Team.
1: So it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, they lost for. Gee, I, I, it really is a. I, I say a fall from grace. The season's obviously not over yet, and I don't think they're in danger of getting relegated. But when you look abroad to La Liga, it feels like everyone accepts Real Madrid and Barcelona as the top two, but Sevilla always mm. is one of the good ones, always mm. the ones backing up. It seems like you mentioned a few of the players they've got there. Yes, they got their defence. I feel like they should be doing a bit better still, though. Isco certainly... Um, I can't believe I was reading earlier about how they let Lucas Ocampos go to Ajax because he wasn't mm. happy under under Lopetegui and replacing with Yanazai who I think he's been a decent player had quite a good career at, at Real Sociedad but is he's, he's really a step up on a Campos that's been so good for them
1: yeah I'm not sure about San Pauli going back there as well that seems like a mm. bit of a step back to me and he's you know he's had more managerial jobs than I've had hot dinners, hasn't he? So he's like, he's been everywhere at some point and he's just a bit of a journeyman coach, really. And, you know, yeah. I don't know if he's necessarily the right guy to oversee a bit of a transition phase, but uh, yeah, we'll see how, see how things develop over the course of the season, I guess.
0: Oh yeah, tough for them. Uh, I did also want to bring your attention to the most incredible story that happened this weekend in the Argentinian Premier Division. Uh, Boca Juniors won the title, but that makes it sound very, very simple. I'm just going to let you know what happened. <laughs> because I've written it down here after scouring the internet and looking for highlights and stuff. Joel, have you heard this? Hi.
2: <laughs> Not oh, bad, is it?
0: Absolute mad. So, going into the final day, Boca Juniors are one point ahead of Racing, right? Boca are at home to Independiente and River Plate are at home to Racing. So River Plate, obviously, Boca's eternal rivals. Mm. And actually, I read that Independiente and Racing are also rivals as well.
1: Oh, well, all four teams from Buenos Aires, aren't they? So yeah. it's
0: like... Uh... And uh, the most amazing possibility was that Racing would pick up a point, Bocker would lose, and they'd have to go to a midweek playoff to decide <laughs> the title. This would be the most exciting thing. I'm not sure if you could bring it, bring it around in the Premier League, but there was I seem to remember there was some sort of ramification last season with Liverpool and City where it could happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the odds something. of you finish level on points, level on goal difference are astronomical aren't they so it's probably (laughs) unlikely to ever happen but yeah
0: I pray for it anyway that didn't happen uh, because Boca yeah like I said need to lose Oris need to draw and in the 81st minute both of them were winning they both conceded so things are level they're on a draw Boca winning the league by one point in the 90th minute Racing get a penalty to (laughs) win it Um, just as Boca is finishing 2-2 their regular spot kick taker is gone centre-back Jonathan Galvan steps up and it's saved by Franco Armani whilst the rebound is then blasted over. This <laughs> keeps everything square. Boca Junior's going to win the title thanks to the keeper of their greatest rivals, who then play then go down the other end and score. <laughs> there, in the coffin. Um, my question for you, Dan, is is that more dramatic than Aguero for Manchester City in 2012? It might
1: just be, yeah, yeah, because the equivalent would be kind of United missing a penalty, wouldn't it, <laughs> to, uh, to to hand City the title, which. Uh, Would have gone down very well at the Etihad that day, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if he, I wonder if Armani knew that that what the circumstances, or if River knew the circumstances,
0: because apparently the Boca fans knew what was going on because there was a break in play, sort of in the 93rd -hmm. minute, there was an injury, so they were well aware what was happening at River. But I guess at that point, you're just sort of in the zone, really. Let's put it this way, Joel: if this is happening at Anfield, and I don't know, let's say Everton are there. Right, Calvert-Lewin steps up. Are you screaming to Alisson, don't save this, right, otherwise City are going to win the title or United are going to win the title elsewhere?
2: I mean, it's United, yeah. Yeah, fuck that. City not so You know what? Uh, not as dramatic as this, but there was a situation in the 90s I think it would have been the 95-96 season where um Liverpool hosted Blackburn on the last day of the season. Yeah. And it was West Ham played United and, and the title was between Man United and Blackburn. And Liverpool actually go 1-0 up that day for a Jamie Redknapp free kick. And all Liverpool fans, that that's a that would have helped Man United win the title and all the Liverpool fans saw it booing Redknapp scoring the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Liverpool do do end up winning that day, but Blackburn still won the title. So, thankfully, everyone was happy. But uh, it is a bizarre set of circumstances, isn't it? Unbelievable.
1: I wonder if the fans are fuming with the team, the River fans now. Yeah. How could you do this to us? Yeah,
0: well, the thing is they were in the race of the title. So maybe, I guess, yeah, but maybe there's a little bit of catch-22 about absolutely everything. I was thinking, what about for the centre-back, Jonathan Alvan? He's on loan at Racing, actually. Um, <laughs> and this is it. 90, 91st minute, score the penalty, your team wins the title. And he's missed.
2: Centre-back shouldn't be that's taking a... penalties anyway. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: my God. I'm not sure I can show my face at work. I never want to <laughs> be a professional footballer. Blimey, that's a bit... I feel for him. You know what? I feel for that guy. He must uh, He must not be sleeping so easy. Yeah. Um, finally, though, I wanted to bring your attention to this unbelievable bet that I saw over the weekend. This was bounding around on Twitter. You may have seen it. Somebody has put 50 quid on, I believe, a 23-team accumulator. Ooh. And it's all for the first half to have over 0.5 goals. And it, every, yeah. and it came off. And it came off. Just over £35,000. I'm going to read you the games that he's put on because it's unbelievable. Um, or she, I don't actually know who it was who put the bet on. Uh, City, Brighton, QPR, Wigan, Sheffield, United, Norwich, Blackburn, Birmingham. Then you've got Morecambe, Barnsley, I can't even read, that's how far, that's how small the thing is. Bristol Rovers, Plymouth, Oxford, Peterborough, Stevenage, Nottingham, Northampton even, Carlisle, Leighton, Orient, Salford City, Stockport, and then we go into Scotland. Motherwell, Aberdeen, Rangers, Livingston, then Germany, Dortmund, Stuttgart, Leverkusen, Wolfsburg, Augsburg, Leipzig, Hoffenheim, Munich, then into Spain with Vida Sociedad, back to Scotland for some reason, in Arbroath, Hamilton, <laughs> Air against Cove, Rangers, Partick against Queen Park, Falkirk against Hearts. And then Clyde against Queen of the South. Quite astonishing to put that in, but there you go. It's Something just
1: a, it's just a mad bet to make in the first place, yeah. Yeah, isn't it's it? Just won-
0: absolutely insane.
1: I wonder how much. Uh, whether that was their only bet they put on that day, or if they're just like some crazy yeah, gambler who puts never loads and loads you about on the side. Exactly. Yeah.
0: We can't condone such ridiculous bets. To be honest, <laughs> no. I wouldn't. I'd rather. I'd rather <laughs> say gamble responsibly. Quid. Yeah, gamble responsibly. <laughs> save that fifty quid. Maybe just go to one of those games instead. <laughs> Make, make you the know, effort um, and visit Partick against Queen's Park.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got a mate who works for a, a betting company in the UK. I won't say which one, but uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, but he, uh, there was a girl last season who put a bet on Liverpool to win the quadruple. And just before the final game of the season, which, you know, as Joel will remember, City won the league, um, she was offered, I think she was, she was on to win something like 250 grand from this bet or something mad. And they offered her like, 35 grand, I think it was to cash out. Like, just say, come on, like, cut your losses. And she was like, no, no, I'm sticking with my bet. And uh,
0: ended, ended up with nothing. In that position, right? So you see, City, you see Liverpool lose on the final day. Would it then annoy you even more if they went and won the Champions League? Because then <laughs> Probably, you really yeah. were just one game away rather than yeah, being yeah. two games. Yeah. This feels like Needle. Let's uh, feel like this is not needle. Yeah. No, this is an awful lot like needle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joel, we'll cut it there. End the podcast. <laughs> no. uh, that is actually the end, though. Of course, you can tweet us in the meantime with all of your wacky footballing stories. I think we should get a few more on. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find some of the greatest stories from around the world of football. Um, you can tweet us at One Football. Uh, or you can email us at the address of the podcast at onefootball.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back on Thursday. Dan, you won't. You're on holiday. I won't
1: you? be. No, I'm on holiday again. But um, Where are you yeah. off to? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> Absolutely
0: nowhere. <laughs> Taking a few days off. You deserve yeah, it, mate. Enjoy. Exactly. Uh, I will see you Thursday with, I'm sure, a smattering of other guests. But until then, we hope you guys enjoyed listening. We'll see you later.